have them already, that'd be good. Yep, you have them already down there. Okay, very good. You're onto it. <laughs> so Good Friday is just one of those sun, uh, Sundays. It's not Sunday, it's Friday. It's just one of those days when the church gathers, and I just feel it's really special. Uh, it's really significant, and, and I know that not necessarily the dates line up as in because it changes every year with the moon cycles and, and, you know, did Jesus really die on a Friday? All those questions. But, but here's the point. Jesus died. Yeah. We know that. And we know that three days later, whatever day that happened, three days later he rose again. Yeah. So what a great time to come together and just hone in on that and, and, uh, and focus on it. And it's one of those times a year, again, I say this every year, say it at Christmas as well. It's just one of those times when the world maybe just pays a little, tiny little bit more attention to what's going on and, and maybe are asking some questions. And what a great opportunity for the church uh, to share about Jesus. Uh, so today we're going to have a bit of a different look at Good Friday. We're going to use quite a bit of multimedia, so that should keep the kids happy. Uh, yes, because screen. Woo, screen. So if we can hit the lights and if we can make sure the volume's loud enough now, just watch that on this. And let's just watch this opening video before I start. I like this is Jesus, born into poverty in an insignificant corner of a conquered nation. This is Jesus, a traveling preacher, a homeless outcast called crazy and possessed. This is Jesus, another hopeless rebel, mocked and beaten, hung on a cross to die. This is Jesus, another lifeless body, stuffed into a borrowed tomb, soon to be forgotten. Is this really Jesus? That's some good questions because from a worldly perspective, person with no faith, that might be how they see Jesus. A, uh, a person that was mocked and, and beaten and hung on a cross to die and another lifeless body stuffed into a borrowed tomb and, and forgotten. Well, as believers, and I believe many of us in the room are believers today, uh, we're on the other side of the story, aren't we? And uh, we know that there's more to Jesus than this. But on this incredible day of remembrance that we call Good Friday, we're going to take a look at a dramatic retelling of Jesus' last day. So today we can actually hear from six individuals who were close to Jesus before his death on the cross. And it all begins with this scene that I'm about to play. Probably could leave the lights off the whole time because it's just going to be on and off. Might turn into a, might have turned into strobe lighting, I don't know. Uh, but it all begins with this scene. And this scene is explaining the Last Supper, where we're going to hear from two of the disciples, from Thomas and Simon Peter. So take a look at this. It was a different kind of Passover, to say the least. I remember right when we sat down, Philip leaned over to me and he whispers, Hey, Thomas, I feel like something special is going to happen tonight. I look at him, I said, I doubt it. I'm Jesus got up from the table. He, he walked over and grabbed a basin of water and a towel. I remember at the time thinking to myself, what's Jesus doing with the footlocker? You know, I doubt he's gonna wash somebody's feet. <laughs> I was wrong. He knelt down and began to wash Bartholomew's feet. 
Lord just sat there. He, uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't move. None of us did. Jesus finished. Uh, went up to James and Andrew and the rest of us. I remember at the time thinking, this is so strange. Yeah, wonderful. And then I thought, I doubt anybody's going to say anything right now. I was wrong. You know who broke the silence? Peter. No way you're gonna wash our feet. I mean, that's what I told him. He could wash other people's feet, but he wasn't gonna wash mine. I looked at him and I said, Jesus, you're not gonna wash our feet. I mean, you're the king. And he looked at me and he said, well, then you can have nothing to do with me. And I'm like, ouch, okay, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my whole body if you have to. He looked at me and said, no, your feet will be fine, Peter. In the midst of him washing our feet, he teaches us servanthood. Then Jesus took some bread and some wine, he blessed it and he served it to us. He said it was uh, a new covenant with his blood. Then he said, um, tonight all of you will lose faith in me. I remember thinking right then, lose faith in you? Never. But I didn't say anything. I just sat there. I couldn't just sit there, I had to say something. So I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I love you. You can count on me. Everybody else may fall away, but I will not. You can count on me. He looked at me and he smiled and he said, Peter, you'll deny me three times for tomorrow morning. Ouch. Next thing I knew, we were wrapping things up and we were headed to the garden to pray. I've learned that when Jesus teaches something, particularly in the last 24 hours of his existence, that it matters, that it's important. And so the first key I get from a video like that is that obviously a servant heart matters. Jesus chose when he's on a journey towards his own death and he knows it's coming. He performs the ultimate act of servanthood, the washing of feet. And you saw Peter's response, well, no, 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 I couldn't possibly... But Jesus said, if you don't allow me to do this, you play no part with me. Jesus wanted to emphasize what really matters, and servanthood, servant heart matters. Being brothers and sisters in Christ, who, who put others first, that's what Jesus wants. Because this is the gospel. This is what Christ did. This is what we, as believers, should do. Putting others ahead of ourselves. In a world that really teaches the opposite, doesn't it? You know, the world is me first. Am I comfortable? Do I have everything I need? Am I okay? Self-health, all of these things, me, me, me. But the Bible says doing unto others as you would have them do unto you is what really matters. That's what truly matters. The, the next scene we're moving to is a scene of Jesus's arrest in the garden. Let's take a look. Once we got to the garden, uh, it's, it just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with them and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. Oh. 
to think this whole mess got started because of Judas? Did he really think what he was doing was right? There, there he is. He's the one you want, one praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon. 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. A kiss? Jesus betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh, then it got crazy. Uh, Peter, Peter grabs a sword and he, he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus, Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head as if nothing had happened. And then, um, and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him, but we didn't. Everyone ran. I ran. I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that I've killed him? I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus. See, Judas has a revelation. And he starts asking, what have I done? You see, a repentant heart matters to Jesus. He understands that he's crucified Jesus, but the truth is, I think we can all occupy that seat. That seat that Judas sits in. We all can occupy that seat. Romans 3.23 reminds us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory and his standard of perfection. We've all failed. We've all sinned and every sin, every bad thought, every action that we've done is like another hammer into the nails of Jesus' hands and feet. It's quite sobering when you think of it like that, that we can occupy that place. But let's never forget that it was our sin that sent Jesus to the cross. The truth is expressed so well in, in the modern hymn, I don't know if you know it, how deep the Father's love for us. And it says this, It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. See, Jesus went to the cross so that we could have relationship again with our Heavenly Father. From the account of the book of Genesis where sin first separated us from the Father when Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We needed a solution to bring us back into a personal relationship with God. And Jesus was the price that had to be paid. It couldn't be avoided. It was God's plan for mankind. 
So all that is needed to come back to a personal relationship with God is a truly repentant heart. To be truly repentant means an expressing or a feeling of sincere regret and remorse or, or to be remorseful. God desires for us to be truly sorry for our sin. And this true feeling of repentance is the only thing that can open the door for Jesus to come in and for us to turn from our wicked ways and embrace the new creation that we become when we let Jesus into our hearts. My prayer is that everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone watching this recording in the future, uh, would have a repentant heart, a true feeling of, God, I'm sorry. And it only comes from conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because, I mean, I can stand up here and say what I'm saying now, and maybe that moves you. But that's only temporary. When the Holy Spirit comes and places his finger on the different areas of our lives that we truly need to be sorry for, when he does the work, that's when true life transformation comes. Because we are stirred in our spirit to, to turn from those ways. If we want to truly live for Jesus, we don't just say, well, I'm sorry and and then go and do it again tomorrow because there's no heart change there. True repentance is when we feel that conviction, not condemnation, don't confuse it with that word. It's a conviction. It's the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? Let's fix that part of your life. Let me work with you. Let's do this together. And as the Holy Spirit leads you on that journey to health and wholeness, to, to overcome whatever that thing is, I believe true life transformation comes. And then we can truly say we are children of the Most High God. Let's look at this last video. I crucified Jesus. It's what the crowd wanted and that's what they got. And personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. I love that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. That man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me. Makes no sense. There I was, rotting in a jail cell, stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew. The next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well, that was it. So the guards, they came and got me and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? I mean, it was obvious. In the crowd, they're gonna say, let Jesus go. And then I was gonna tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting Barabbas. I mean, I mean, they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd and they, and they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, I mean one minute I, I am a man marked for death. And then the next I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. So I followed him all the way to Golgotha. I was stationed at Golgotha that day. We just raised the second criminal when they brought him to him. 
I'll never forget the way he looked. He'd been beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hideous. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, the first hand's the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away, he bites you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down, but this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've been called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, plead with me. But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them. He said, forgive them. Who is he forgiving? should have been me up there. I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross. He took my place. Then I looked up and I remember he took a uh, deep, agonizing breath and he said, it is finished. And then, in the video declares it should have been me up there. See, a thankful heart matters. Being grateful for what Christ has done. Barabbas said I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross. He took my place. I think we could all be sitting here saying that exact same thing. He took our place. Our sin put in there. He paid the penalty and price that we deserved. He took our place. And Jesus takes a big breath and says, it's finished, and then he dies. And the soldier declares, surely this man was the son of God. See, being thankful matters. I think in a world where life gets busy, we're doing our day-to-day, week-to-week, Working, parenting, whatever it is you do to fill your week. Parenting fills the week, doesn't it? (laughs) Homeschooling, whatever it is. It's so easy to just get wrapped up in the busyness and forget to pause like we are right now today and actually be thankful for what Christ has done. We're about to gather around the communion table to remember what he's done. So uh, get your communion ready. Does anyone need communion that didn't grab it on the way in? There's a few hands. If we could get some help with that, guys. Just keep your hand up until Ian and Javita get to you. That would be good. So even the pastor's wife has forgotten to grab communion. So so you don't have to feel shy or bad. (laughs) Come on. You know, a servant heart matters. But on its own, 
A servant heart isn't quite enough. You, you could be the best servant of all. You could put others first. You could do good deeds. You could, you could do all those things. You could serve people with gladness. Put people first all the days of your life. But by itself, all it makes you is a person that's remembered as a good person. It doesn't actually get you your ticket into everlasting life because the Bible doesn't talk about just being a servant as the key. A repentant heart truly matters. See, if you get a servant, someone who puts people first, who's truly repentant and sorry for, for, for the life that they used to lead, and they've truly turned and experienced a change, and that they're a new creation because of Jesus Christ, well, now we're talking about what truly matters. A servant heart with a repentant heart. Wow. That'll change somebody's life. But you know what? Being thankful and having that revelation of Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done. Don't let the spirit of familiarity come in because if you've been a Christian for a long time, that's a danger. It can happen. I go to church all the time. Yeah, I'm thankful. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you truly thankful to Jesus today? And are you expressing that in fullness from your heart today? That's my encouragement today. Let's not gloss over what Jesus did because we're so familiar with that story. But let's actually remember what truly matters, a servant heart, a repentant heart, a thankful heart. If we can encapture that in our hearts today, wow, look out Stanford. And wherever our visitors are from, look out your hometowns. So we're gathering around communion and we're taking a little bit of bread, which you peeled the top layer off to get to that. And six times out of ten that works. There is. I can't. I think we need a science degree to open these. Anyway, it's all good. And this bread represents Christ's body that was broken for you and for me. This is what we are thankful for. A God that puts his son's body on the line. Who pays the price by giving up his one and only son. I don't know about you, but as, as those of us that are parents, just think about that. Could you give up one of your kids for the sake of humanity? What a big thing that is. That's why we're to be thankful. Because the price is priceless. So when you take your piece of bread, and as you eat, remember... Christ crucified, his body broken for you and for me. Thank you, Jesus. And then as you peel away the, the next layer, I think that's more of a four out of ten that works. <laughs> you get to the juice. And the juice reminds us of Christ's blood poured out. The Bible tells us there's power in the blood. 
It's the blood of Christ that releases us from the power of sin. When we believe in Jesus, there's power in the blood to break every chain. Everything that's holding you back or held you back or will try and hold you back in the future. Christ's body broken and his blood poured out. There is power in the blood. So let's drink and remember Christ's blood poured out for you and for me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful. that servant-hearted attitude. May we truly embrace repentance today and be so thankful for all that you've done. We honour you, we thank you, and we be sure not to just gloss over this important aspect of our Christian history, our heritage, what makes us who we are today. But Lord, may we truly remember your goodness, your love, your grace poured out for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we all need Jesus. And we've got visitors in the house today. We don't do a service at Vineyard without giving an opportunity for people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. You know, for me, I only just worked this out as I was sitting there. I did a few songs. And uh, it's 30 years this year since I gave my heart to Jesus. It's like three decades ago when I was 17 at a youth camp run by an Anglican church. There you go. They had a bit of life and charisma in them, the one I went to. And, and uh, I went to this youth camp not really searching or seeking because I'm not the person that had the radical transformation of some of you are like that, or some of you know people that went through like a, they were so bad and doing all this bad stuff and then all of a sudden God came and now they've transformed. That's a great story, but that's not my story. My story was very different. I was a good kid. I wasn't the naughty kid in the class or the, or the you know, into bad stuff or causing disaster. I was a good kid. I was raised with good morals. My family wasn't Christian, but I was raised to treat elders with respect and all those kind of things that are a bit hard to come by these days. Praise the Lord. And uh, so I was a good person. But someone valued me enough to invite me to this youth camp because they knew I needed Jesus. And I went to this camp and I just looked around and everybody had something that I didn't seem to have. And I didn't quite know what it was yet. Until I asked few questions. I said, why are you guys so happy? And it's not that I was sad, but it was just, I don't know, there was just something. It's called the Holy Spirit. We know that now. I'm on the other side of the story. I can look back and go, they had, were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had the joy, the fruit of joy in their lives. And so one of my friends wrote me a little note because we didn't have Snapchat or Instagram or Messenger or even mobile phones were only just sort of coming out and and so they were all bricks still that you carried around and stuff 30 years ago. And so they wrote on a piece of paper, like a letter, 
to me. And I read the letter where they said, don't read it till you get home. So after the camp, went home, sat on my bed, opened the letter, because you're like, And I read the letter, and it told me about what Christ did for me, and what salvation was, and why I need a saviour. How we've sinned, and sin created a chasm, a gap between us and the Lord. And the only way to fill that gap is to believe in Jesus, and call upon the name of the Lord. Believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, and I'll be saved. And something happened on my bed when I read that. And I guess it broke me. Even though I wasn't this bad behind closed doors drug dealer or alcoholic or I had no issues like that. But all of a sudden I was just aware that I needed a savior. And I gave my heart to the Lord there on my bed. So it wasn't like a big altar call and a big and everyone's praying and hundreds got saved and you know Billy Graham crusades. I'm not knocking all of that. That's that's brilliant. If that's how if that's your story, more power to you. That's brilliant. But that was my story. God can come and meet us anywhere. The important thing is is that we provide the opportunity. And so in this moment on Good Friday, I couldn't think of a better time to say, Do you need Jesus like I needed him when I was 17 and none the wiser? Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm just going to ask for a response now. And we're going to pray as a church, and but there's no magic in the prayer. It's just really, it's about your response of your heart today. So I'm calling for a response. God's looking for a response to what's being presented. So if you're in the room and and maybe you've never received, never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Him, maybe you didn't haven't even known what that means until now. I want to invite you to respond this morning. Maybe you have received Jesus before, but in this season of life, you feel very far away. And you want to get that closeness in relationship with him again. Well, you, you can respond in just a moment. So if you're in this room today and you want to respond, I'm not going to drag you out the front, but I'm asking you to respond by raising your hand so that I know who I'm praying with today. So if that's you and you need Jesus, maybe for the first time or maybe as a recommitment to live your life for him, would you just lift your hand now in this moment? Yeah, I see that hand. That's great. Yeah, I see that hand too. It's just wonderful to respond to Jesus. Because he's receiving you with open arms in this place today. Not a, it's not a judgmental guy. He's like, oh, finally, you've made a decision. It's not like that. He's just patiently waiting for the right season and the right time for you to respond. As we've had a couple of people do that today. Wonderful. Right, let's pray together. So you just say after me, Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came to earth as a baby and you grew and became Jesus the man. Fully God, but fully man. And we acknowledge today that you died for us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Because in dying, you conquered sin and death. 
You took the keys from Satan. And you are victorious. And so, Lord, we believe that God raised you from the dead. And you set me free from my sin. Because you paid the price for me. So I now call you my Lord. I call you my Saviour. And I want to live for you all the days of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God and thank Him for people responding today? You know, we had a couple of people in the room. Who knows online, people that will be watching. But there's nothing quite more exciting than someone surrendering their life to Christ afresh. So praise God for that. As we come to a close, I kind of left us hanging with that first video how I was talking about, you know, a body stuffed in a borrowed tomb and forgotten. So we're going to watch this video again, but this time I'm going to let it play all the way through and we can rejoice together at the end. So take a look. This is Jesus, born into poverty in an insignificant corner of a conquered nation. This is Jesus, a traveling preacher, a homeless outcast called crazy and possessed. This is Jesus, another hopeless rebel, mocked and beaten, hung on a cross to die. This is Jesus, another lifeless body, stuffed into a borrowed tomb. from the dead. This is Jesus, sent by the Father to be crushed for the sins of the world. This is Jesus, declaring to all he would be killed and then raised to life on the third day. This is Jesus, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. This is Jesus, a missing body from an empty tomb on a Sunday morning. This is Jesus, the image of invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the Lamb of God, the light of the world. This is Jesus, Savior, Lord, King, Alpha, Omega, Creator, Redeemer, friend to sinners, hope of nations, the Messiah. This is Jesus, the resurrection and the life for all who trust in him. Wake up, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. This is Jesus. Amen. That's a bit more like it. Come on, stand your feet, give him praise, give him praise. He's our redeemer, the rescuer of our soul. Our life, everything that we live for is Jesus Christ because he conquered the grave. Amen. Amen. So I know today's Friday and maybe it's been a little bit morbid, but I'm telling you, Sunday's coming. Someone preached a really good sermon called that one time. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. I'm telling you, we're in for an exciting 
service together on Sunday. If you can be here to be part of that, we're here at nine o'clock and uh, we'd love to welcome each and every one of you as we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, amen, our risen Saviour. So let me pray for you and we'll have uh, fellowship together now. Father God, I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you that as we come together to acknowledge all that you've done, God, that you would just, as we've already prayed, revelation would come of your goodness and your grace, of what you've actually done for us, Lord, that we would be so full of rejoicing and just gladness in our souls and in our spirits today because of everything you've done. Lord, we may be having a difficult week, a difficult time, but when we fix our eyes on you, Lord, it just pales to compare to your goodness and your grace. So pour out your love and your grace on each person this day, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be blessed. Let's have fellowship. And, uh